0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hi, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Marissa. I
0: am Misa. I'm Brian. We're going to talk about The Chromium Fence by Philip K. Dick, first published in Imagination Stories of Science Fiction and Fantasy... July 1955. This is maybe uh, Dick's most obscure story. Only republished in the 80s.
2: Yeah, I'd never heard of it before you inter- you pointed that in my direction.
0: And that's kind of why I wanted... Because I didn't really... I, I knew that it existed, but I hadn't heard of it. But I thought, let's just pick a random... A Philip K. story.
3: Wow, what a great Uh, random one to pick.
0: I think they're all like this, though. I think they're all like this. He's just a he. he, he, Everything he touches is gold somehow. Chromium. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Let's talk about why the title is that. Because if you do a search in the story itself, there is no chromium ever mentioned. Yeah,
1: did you figure that out? I
0: I got a couple ideas. Mm -hmm. I, I have a couple ideas too. Okay. my so what's your oh, I, uh,
1: mine was the robot uh,
0: oh yeah sure that's a good one mm-hmm. yeah because the robot pushes him off of the fence he's been right on and, the he's, and
1: he's metallic and he's the one that says you're on the fence so
0: yep he does say yeah that word does show up in the text um he says it a couple of times mm-hmm. you're on the fence um anybody else
2: that was basically my theory
0: okay well i got one more
2: mm-hmm.
0: um it's right at the beginning uh, they're on the uh, the commute disc. I love this. Um, Walsh set, settled gratefully against the invisible safety rail, and then un- and, uh, uh, and then unrolled his newspaper. So these commute discs are flying carpets, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically, it, it even says flying carpet at one, one point, and they can take a maximum of three passengers. It sounds like, or at least about three, because um, he comes on board, he puts his coin in the slot and then it continues on its way, right? And then they start reading the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, each of them are reading the newspaper and then the, the fight happens. Um,
3: it specifically says like at the start, like when he got on the third man he completed the load.
0: Right. <laughs> right. So this is public transportation, but um, three at a time, yeah. Three at a time. Um, and it's uh, it's got such beautiful writing. Um, so many Beautiful. I'll just want to read the opening here because it's so awesome. Earth tilted towards six o'clock, the workday almost over. Commute disks rose in dense swarms and billowed away from the industrial zone towards the surrounding residential rings. Like nocturnal moths, the thick clouds of disks darkened the evening sky. It's It's beautiful. Silent, weightless, they whisked their passengers towards home and waiting families, hot meals, and bed. So it's like sort of a bucolic, futuristic um, commuting. But notice they're leaving work at 6, right? Mm-hmm. Not at 5.
4: Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Which is a little bit harder. And then when the commute disk lands in the parking lot of his unit, um, do you notice the ground? Uh, and they're in Detroit, by the way. Um, and the ground was ash and cinders. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is post apocalyptic, right? Yeah. Uh, It says Walsh pushed aside the safety rail. There it is again. "um, And jumped from the disc down the three steps of the grapple and onto the ashes and cinders of the parking lot. Um, So I'm thinking the chromium fence is uh, this invisible safety rail, but obviously it says invisible. Chromium is shiny, so maybe it's hard to see. But more importantly, this is is the bus, guys. That's the handrail that everybody has when they're standing on the bus, right? They grab hold of. Mm. And uh, I heard the other day a really great podcast about um, an Octavia Butler story Mm. um, set on a bus called Speech Sounds, Mm -hmm. where a fight breaks out uh, between these two men who can't speak. That's the whole premise of the story. there's some It sounds like an awesome story. i got to find it and read it. Um, a fight breaks out on between two men on the bus um, and in this future this post-apocalyptic future there's been some sort of uh, disease that when it infects you it takes away parts of your mind or your brain um, and most people can't speak any longer so they just make noises hmm. and their their jealousies up or whatever sounds terrific in, in any case there's a fight on the bus and and that starts the the story um apparently butler uh, like dick had to take the bus a lot um and a lot of his stories are actually set on buses uh, at least in part so this is this is that's where this story came from i think right he's on the bus and some guy's reading the paper, right. and he says, yeah, you see this about Clinton or whatever, no, sorry, uh, Bush or whatever it is, right? And I was like, jeez, you know, I like philosophy and music. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that is what the chromium rail is. It sounds like it's all futuristic and advanced, but I think it's just the bus bus rail, right? Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, it could be. It's it's just a high tech version of a of a personal uh, personal bus basically for three.
0: Yeah, sure, a little bus.
2: Well, if there's been
5: a nuclear war, there's probably not enough people to be that crowded. It's like uh, that's the, a good point. It's like the world of um, Do Androids Dream?
0: In fact, um, you know, in the in their housing unit, right? There's this. I, I thought he's invented the strip mall too, because and at, at the bottom of their housing unit, there's a strip mall that he walks through uh, while it's closed. And then he goes into the, the last spot he walks towards is the, uh, the counselor, right? The uh, psychologist, the huh. robot psychologist, Charlie is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it made me think, uh, I want to talk about Charlie some more, but it made me think that all the other stores had robots in them too, because y- y- you go into the dry goods store and you buy some dry goods and you go into the uh, the grocery store and there's you know a robot checkout guy there too like they're just all there waiting
3: yeah i didn't think of that actually i love that scene where he's moving through that space it's kind of it's kind of airy and and
0: there's all these weird touches right like he's walk he's walking through that on his way down there there's a, a boy and a girl making love.
3: Yeah. yeah. And he, he pauses for a minute and then he goes and he carries on through this like dark, yeah, like strip mall, like you say.
5: That really surprised me uh, for a story from the 50s.
0: Yeah. He's he's uh, he's a sexual man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why this story is so neglected uh, because I think it's so on point for everything that's happening right now.
2: Yeah, and although he doesn't call it them. They're basically living in Kana, in D- D- it Kana is. because they talk about being, we hear stuff on the other side of the wall, so they're like all oh, crowded yeah. into these little, into these buildings with strip walls on the bottom, basically. Apartment towers, basically, although they are that, towers.
0: That I want to read that section, too, because it's beautiful as well. It, there's this, there's this beauty of sort of the uh, clunky clunkiness. <laughs> this is a guy who. Turns the the clunkiness into be- into things of beauty, so he's he's uh, complaining uh, after he's gotten off the off the uh, commute desk. Um, he's eating his food. His wife is saying, "Eat your food, dear." <laughs> and then he says, or or then it says, "Yep." Through the thin walls of the bright little dining room came the echoing clink of other families eating, other conversations in progress, the tinny blare of TV sets. The purr of stoves and freezers and air conditioners and the wall heaters right and then we get so there's like this clunky beauty right
3: yeah it's so great this is one of the few stories where like of his you can really feel the world like it's such a short story he doesn't use very many lines but you can just like feel this place
0: and then there's this other aspect that you know we've been I don't think Misa and Brian are aware of it but We've been talking about this thing called the Rhetorizer, the Philip Kadic Rhetorizer, sort of just themes and topics uh, or lines or ideas that he uses over and over again. And this is one we've never really touched on, but I've seen in all of a lot of his stuff, anyways, which is sort of the disgusting beauty of bodies. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. And that's sort of the theme of, of what this uh, sort of bullshit idea for. What they're arguing about is about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's embodied especially by the brother-in-law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's in the very next line here. Across from Walsh, his brother-in-law Carl was gulping down a second plateful of steaming food. <laughs> right. And and then there's the little uh, the the son who's like a little Nazi by the way. Uh, purist youth league is he's in the purest youth league. He's a sergeant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. T- uh, horrible. <laughs> um. And then on the opposite page, he's uh, – read this here. It was true. Walsh gazed unhappily past his son into the days that lay ahead. He saw himself involved in endless wretched situations like the one today. Sometimes it would be naturalists to attack him, and other times, like last week, it would be the enraged purists.
2: Writing that one line, he suggests that he's been going through this thing on, on the disc over and over
0: again. Yeah.
3: yeah and don't you feel it's like it's in the
0: news, It's in the house
3: yeah and don't you feel like that's philip k dick as well like you can just imagine being kind of contrary and like having all of these arguments with people all the time yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: both
2: sides yes yeah, so yeah right both over.
3: sides yeah
0: um and then we get this um amendment there's the there's two things there's an amendment and uh petition the i love the names here one is called the horny amendment oh yeah and the other one is the butte or bot petition. <laughs> <laughs> also, one one is uh, trying to make it so that everybody has to have their, their sweat glands removed and replaced with uh, waste ducts. Yeah. Um, and their teeth which, whitened. And their teeth have to be whitened. Their halitosis has to be cured. Yeah. And their hair has to be restored.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> No balding for you, sir. <laughs> Which is hilarious. It is, and and at the end, the horror, right, is that the the brother-in-law who has to knuckle under. He says, "We're going underground." <laughs> he comes back to the table, you know, He's with pure. beautiful hair. Yeah. his teeth are shiny. <laughs> his his body doesn't have odor. Yeah, but even worse than that, um, he he. He sits down at the dinner table and he has to um, pick smaller portions of yep. his food, right? Just like, oh, that's too much. And then he eats slowly and daintily, right? Because yeah. that's,
3: I know. I related to this story so much um, from living in Hollywood as well. Like,
4: <laughs> I, I was just like,
3: because I just haven't seen it on that level as I have here where there's just two kinds of people. And, that, and it's exactly like in the story, like, Half of them just want to be dirty and bald and fat and old, and the other half of them are just like, oh no, like
4: they're so <laughs> oh perfect, my God. so
3: yeah, they're the purest. Like they would, their breath would never smell.
1: <laughs> you know what this reminded me of? What's that? It was um, the arc, the B arc from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, you know, the B arc is where all the yes the producers, right. insurance salesmen, and right, they landed. And here we are. Here's the world they created. Huh.
0: <laughs> wow. I forgot about that. Mm. Um, I, 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 I think there's something of uh, Socrates dying here as well.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? At the end when oh, he yeah. tears up the, the get out of jail free card.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, no, I'm going to embrace the fate that my society has given upon me. Um, he's going to be frozen. Which we, we talks back. No, he he's eaten up
2: and, and frozen. Yeah. Well,
0: what is he frozen? He's frozen first. Okay. Well, it says Walsh's inert body. I I thought I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's cold beans. You're right. Him. No, they do. Uh, you're right. It, they froze him like with ice, right? Mm-hmm. right. Disposal machinery
5: um, immediately began consuming his body and reducing it to basic mineral elements.
3: And he he knows that like there's something earlier in the story about them. Warning him, you know, this is a this is the kind of act they freeze you for or something. Yeah, yeah. which
2: which made me think of that uh, the Dick novel where we had all the people in those millions of uh, cryo units, but instead, as right pointed out here, no, instead of just being sitting there, you're you're just recycled.
0: Yeah, but yeah. remember that in that book also they were using the people in the fro- frozen for organs. Yeah,
2: yeah, I just
3: found that it's where. um it's where Walsh, when he first goes down and tells the analyst that he um, has right. beaten up the police or whatever, and then the analyst robot um, gives a low, soundless whistle and says, "That's a felony, Don. They'll freeze you for that. It's a provision right. of the new amendment." Yep. So that just can't, that's like the new law that he's aware of. Mm-hmm.
5: I just love seeing that robot psychologist. That's such a classic Dick thing. Like I know. Oh, he's great. great, right? There's a there's one. Well, what's it What's it called in um I think it's in Three Stigmata, uh, where there's one, he's a suitcase called Dr. Smile, right. Oh
4: yeah.
5: And then there's yep. the, uh, what's the novel with the robot Lincoln who, um, uh, a,
0: a, Link, a Lincoln simulacrum. Yeah. Yeah. Talks a guy through uh, a terrible crisis. Well, uh, I, I think that's our next, next book. I, I've, I've got it already lined up. So hopefully everybody agrees. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, um, I, I think Charlie is horrible and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the way he talks. He a Don, it called heartily. Come on in, sit down. Wearily <laughs> yeah. Yeah. seated himself. This body, this body problem, right? He's, he's got this horrible body that he can't deal with. The robot doesn't have this problem. I could talk to you. I, I, maybe I thought maybe I could talk to you, Charlie, he said. But it's there on a first name basis, right? It's not doctor. Sure, Don. The robot leaned forward to see the clock on its wide mahogany desk. I love that the robot has to have a clock, so it can.
4: Work. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a
0: mahogany desk. <laughs> but isn't it dinner time? <laughs> and he says, "Goes down." He says, uh, no, no, it's not going so good, Charlie. I've got to do something. You can help me. You're not biased." He appealed to the quasi-human face of metal and plastic.
3: Oh, he's so creepy.
0: You can you can see this undistorted. Charlie, how can I join one of the parties? All their slogans and propaganda it seems so damn silly. How the hell can I get excited about clean teeth and underarm odor? <laughs> People kill each other over these trifles. It doesn't make sense. Uh, there's going to be a sort su- suicidal civil war. Uh hello, America. Yeah. Uh if the That's amendment good. passes, I'm sh- I'm supposed to join one side or the other. Charlie nodded. I have the picture, Don. <laughs> and and then he goes on and on and then says, "Don, you're avoiding the issue." The robot's voice was calm, dispassionate. "What you're saying is that neither side is right, and that's foolish, isn't it? One side must be right." Mhm. You either vote for Hillary or you vote for Trump. Yeah. Those are your options. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Why? Because two sides exhaust the practical possibilities. Your position isn't really a position. Did we not hear this uh, in twenty sixteen? I mm-hmm. swear to oh, you. Yeah, this was was really, this really pressing Say again? No, I was told this repeatedly. I mean I was a, of course. a Bernie Sanders supporter. And of course. And it was it was it was uh, not the robot uh, psychiatrist, it was the news channels, right? Which are pretty robotic. yeah it's it's pretty pretty much the
3: same thing they have that exact same like hey don
0: (laughs) that's right (laughs) you're sort of an intellectual virgin you want to say pure you fairy dust and twinkle toes uh bernie supporter (laughs) (laughs) you're not an isolated individual don you're a part of society's ideas don't exist in a vacuum uh, he says, I have a right to hold my ideas. No, Don. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you do they're that. not your ideas. You did not create them. You can't turn them on and off. And when you feel like it, they operate. Uh, when you feel True. like it, they operate through you. They're conditionings deposited in you, in you by the environment. What you believe is a reflection of certain social forces and pressures. In your case, the two mutually exclusive social trends have produced a sort of stalemate. You're at war with yourself. You can't decide which side to join because elements of both exist in you. The robot nodded wisely at his own advice here. But you've got to make a decision. You've got to resolve this conflict and act. You can't remain a spectator. You've got to be a participant. Nobody can be a spectator to life. And this is life, (laughs) which is a horrible life, right? It's a horrible life. And then
2: I put star
0: star like massively here. You mean there's no other world but the business about sweat, teeth, and hair? (laughs) He says, Logically, there are other societies, but this is the one you were born into. This is your society. The only one you will ever have. You either live in it, or you don't live. And of course, that's his choice, right?
2: Right? And and he makes a choice not to live. Yeah. Which, which, Which I should have seen coming by the end, like a Oh, he's got the ticket. He's got the ticket. No, he's going to. He's going to step out of it. It's just. It's really early, Dick. I mean, to, to, to go to take that third option, as it were. I would expect that maybe a story from the sixties. He'd go for something. He'd break out of the box like he does in this. But I guess he's being prescient of his own fiction later on. Just like nope, I'm I'm not picking either side. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm getting off of this merry go round.
0: It's pretty. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, um, this is uh, when you 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 say, well, that channel didn't make any sense. You you turn it over, and it's it's MSNBC, and Rachel Maddow's on there, (laughs) and you you say, wait a second, she's just she's she's getting paid to say that because that makes no sense. Um, uh, and then you see, uh, he walks out of the room, right? And suddenly the light just catches a glint on the, the tag attached to the to the robot's umbilical, right, plugged into the wall. He can't actually go home, the robot. <laughs> he lives at <out> his <laughs> desk. <death. laughs> the robot, like everything else in this multifamily unit, was supplied by the controlling institutions of society, uh, Fox News and MSNBC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the analyst was a creature of the state, a bureaucrat, with a desk and a job, its function was to equate people like Don Walsh with well, the world. It was it was as it was. Yeah,
3: and I love the way like when he turns its back on it and walks away, it just turns off and puts its elbows back on the that's desk right. and goes yeah. back to
0: <laughs> back mm. into
3: like slumber. Like that's so creepy. Like it's not thinking. It's not doing anything else outside of the time where it's telling him what to do.
0: Ugh. <laughs> it's a freaky world, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: It's a little bit too much. The, the, I mean, this is early Dick. So I mean, the uh, that paragraph, the robot was supplied by the controlling institutions of society. Yeah, we just saw that. You know, the analyst is a creature of the state. Well, we just said that. I mean,
4: that's,
5: yeah. <laughs> so it's a little a little on the nose. Um, but, you know, but then Dick moves on pretty quickly.
0: Well, I want to I want to talk about why it is like so. Uh, in a sense, the Chromium fence could be about any two stupid. Parties or topics, and we've seen him do other things in novels where you know there's uh, everybody has to be uh, take the take the life extension program or right. you know whatever it is. Or choosing I mean, this, versus candy. Right, right, right. Yeah, you have you got to pick your brand, right? Um, that's sort of a 1960s uh, reaction against against consumerism, which is what there's a nice, really nice uh, um, diatribe when Betty's saying how did it get like this or whatever? I don't remember politics being like this when I was a kid. Right. And then he goes on to explain how it came to be. Um, maybe we can find and read that because that's really good. But um, I, it, it struck me that this is the thing that's, that's, you know, almost everything he's ever written. He has these characters, especially men, but especially men um, who they're just sort of uncomfortable in their bodies. Mm-hmm. um, and, you see it, like, with characters like the chicken-headed guy in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, right? Um, and then you've got the the robots, the androids, who are sort of, I guess, the people uh, in Marissa's neighborhood who uh, spend every day waking moment at the gym. Right? Yeah, I mean, just the beautiful androids. And beautiful, and perfect <laughs> teeth and hair, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And then there's these guys who just like kind of drinking beer and uh, uh, coffee and sweat a lot.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but it goes right back to his very first published story, uh, "Beyond Lies the Wub," in which mm-hmm. a, a ro- uh, not a robot, a alien pig um, is a philosopher. Right? And I, I I did a search. There isn't a lot of sweaty <laughs> mention, but this is the line that I that stood out. The wub the wub stood sagging. Its great body settling slowly. It was sitting down. Its eyes half shut. A few flies buzzed about its flank, and it switched its tail. Right. That sense of it being sort of like flabby and um later on they <laughs> they grab it and mm-hmm. says, A huge pig, it must may weigh weigh four hundred pounds. Franco grabbed a tuft of the rough hair. The wub gasped, its eyes opened small and moist, then its great mouth twitched. A tear rolled down the web's cheek and splashed on the floor. Oh, right. This is is like this is like his wife saying, You're getting fat. <laughs> you're fat and you're belching all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to stop that. And he's like, "Oh, oh my God, he's
2: disgusting." I, I, I found the po- the po- the politics part that you were talking about. Oh, great.
0: About. Okay, so what page number?
2: Um, it's on page ninety-five. I will read. Okay, thank you, okay. sir. Was it always this? Way? Betty complained. Was it always this way? I don't remember always hearing about politics when I was a child. They didn't call it politics back in those days. The industrials hammered away at the people to buy and consume. It centered around this hair sweet teeth, purity. The city people got it and developed an ideology around it. You mean the purest political moment was liberally started? They didn't realize what a hold it was getting on them. They didn't know their children were growing up to take such things as underarm perspiration and white teeth and nice-looking hair as the most important things in the world, things worth dying, fighting and dying for, things important enough to kill those who didn't agree. The Nazis were country people? People lived outside the cities and weren't conditioned by the stimuli. Incredible that one man will kill, kill another over trivialities. All through history, men murdering each other over verbal nonsense, meaningless slogans, and sold them by somebody else who sits back and benefits. It's, I it's, love it's, that. Yeah. Men will be ju- – yeah, it's going to be senseless warfare. The naturalists have weapons stored up at party headquarters. and Men will be, be just as dead as if they died for something real. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the. It goes back to uh, uh, two hundred
5: years to uh, Gulliver's Travels, where um, the uh, one of the countries is divided by the big Indians and the little Indians. Right. Yeah. The,
0: the, Which uh, end, of the egg, do you smash?
5: Right. When you're when you have your breakfast, do you break in the little end or the big end? And those are the two giant political parties.
2: I'm reminded right, uh, of right Babylon Five. The Drazi have their conflict over green slash versus purple slash. Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. Oh yes, one of my favorite. The argument is. Uh, on, on their version of Fox News, green, purple.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, this is this is terrific uh, because, uh, I mean, the thing is, is we all have this, right? Nobody likes to be told that they have bad breath. And we also don't like to have bad breath because we don't like to offend people. Um, we all have hair that changes color as we get older, maybe it recedes a little bit. Maybe it uh, isn't – your eyebrows are a little less uh, than you – know, so it, there isn't a lot about eyebrow threading in this. But um, I swear to you, when I go down the strip mall just outside my home, I, every – I was thinking about how every unit is I, – I think about this a lot. Every unit is either a nail salon, a hair salon, a dental salon mm-hmm. <laughs> or yes. um, like some other – and I'm like, where's all the bookstores? Mm. And then, of course, there's the alcohol store every once in a while. But there's no bookstores. Yeah. Have and it,
3: bookstores. it's even like, yeah. it's even like dogs and stuff now. Like, you know, even yep. dogs are walking around with shampoo and That's painted right.
0: nails. The dogs can't <laughs> smell bad either. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. That, when, I, when, I, when I read the part about the excretion tubes um, for people, yeah. and I thought, okay, so, so how much farther are they going to get? Are they going to put those excretion tubes on all the animals so there's no more shit anywhere?
0: <laughs> no, I think the excretion tubes are just. and it's not for pooping. I think it's for just under your arms. Like oh, they're replacing for the, the sweat glands, uh, the sweat glands under your arms with like I don't know tubes What's that go waste
1: excretion tubes. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. All waste, all waste. Oh,
1: uh huh.
5: I'm, I'm reminded of uh, still of suits. The, yeah, still suits. I'm, uh-huh. I'm also of that uh, film, <laughs> that film novel Counter World, where time hits going backwards. And people swear by saying food.
4: <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I,
5: I think this, this, is, this glances into, you know, kind of classic 20th century science fiction obsession, which is uh, what happens to the body with advanced science and technology. You know, you get all these images of the uh, future humans who are hairless, giant brains. Um, you know, Mission Babylon 5. Uh, at what point do we transcend the body completely and become, mm-hmm. you know, pure energy or pure thought? I mean, it's a, it's a classic science fiction chestnut, um, and it's built in part with a kind of hatred of the body. Um, there's a lot of, uh, criticism from the nineties and the first decade of the 21st century, which says that the, desi- the contemporary desire to, uh, upload, um, our consciousness mm-hmm. yep. uh, is, uh, a sign of that. Um, and so it was kind of nice to see Dick, you know, riffing on that again, making into a political party. That was good.
4: Mm. Uh, and it's
5: also, people make fun of this a lot um, as an American obsession. There's a wonderful Graham Greene novel about Vietnam, uh, The Quiet American. Mm. It's a fantastic novel for the 50s. And it's really eerie how it anticipates the uh, next decade of the American invasion of Vietnam. If you, if you haven't read it, it's about a, uh, uh, an American spy in South Vietnam who is uh, up to no good. You don't quite realize that he's a spy uh, for a while. And our main character is this uh, British journalist who's just, you know, kind of lazy and trying to survive. He's smoking a lot of opium. But he makes fun of the American because the American doesn't like to eat food. He likes to eat vitamin paste and, uh, you know, high-tech things. He won't eat the local food. That's from the same period, same year, roughly,
0: as the story. And then uh, there's something, like, the thing is, this is so ridiculous, right? This story is so ridiculous in so many senses. I, I I, I, I was looking at the Philip K. Dix fan page, and how are they talking about trying to sell it? They said this is a New Yorker story. Let's try and sell it to the New Yorker. And like, <laughs> this is not a New Yorker story. What are they getting me? Um, I mean, it's a satire in a certain sense, mm-hmm. but it's too horrific to be a satire in a in a re, in any sort of like the way it is in Gulliver's Travels. That's satire. This is not. That, this is yeah. a satire, but it is not that kind of satire at all. It's not a New Yorker smirking sort of thing. It's a horror story because yeah. what happens? The, the cop comes. The police spread efficiently into the room, oh. standing around immobile. Carl, they examined him briefly. Then they moved away. No body odor. The police sergeant dis- dis- disagreed. No halitosis. <gasps> Hair thick and well groomed, <laughs> like they coming to inspect, his, inspect him. This is like he has a Jewish nose. No, no, he doesn't have a Jewish nose. Okay, does he? Does he have a yarmulke? No. Okay, <laughs> it's well, like
5: and a horror. About, uh, ten years ago, no, nine years uh, before this story is World War Two. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh-huh. no, that's a that's definitely. I mean, there's this one line about torchlight rallies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Can't read that this as anything is- else.
2: Yeah, and, and purist youth is clearly Hit, yeah Hitler youth. Yeah, he's yeah. They're, he's they're seeing not, it those. The exactly. young,
0: right on the nose. And they're the young, right? And the young.
2: Mm-hmm. We're the future. Yeah, that's definitely very, like, yeah. We're, the National uh, Socialists, uh, is the party of the future sort of thing.
5: That's what happens in uh, 1984, is the younger generation is the one who had been raised as the uh, anti-sex league, the ones who are turning in their parents. Yeah.
0: Yep. The uh, There's so much, like... I was thinking, well, if I have to choose, what side am I picking? Um, I don't like the naturalist side very much. I mean, they're they're gross. They're burping all the time. They're sweaty and stinky breath. And yeah, he says, uh, what does he say? I'm I'm proud of my smell. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, the chromium fence is definitely the best place to be. Mm-hmm. The, the way he writes this is
2: just kind of. <laughs> But it's untenable. That's 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 the, that's the thing of the story. You can't stay on that fence forever, especially once political events move to the point where you can't remain on it. I mean, he tries, right. and, and, then, and then the police come and they find him. And they're ready to re-educate him, basically, and yeah, that precipitates him assaulting the police officers and fleeing.
3: Yeah, but I love that
2: it's an argument
3: for that. Like he he will die for the um for the right to not. Care <laughs> yeah. about either of the either That's of right. those sides. Like it's so and,
0: great, and the the other sides are so um, bound up with their beliefs. He's found his own belief, right? Yeah, uh, it goes right right at the beginning here. He's describing the other commuters here. He was a big, heavy set man, middle aged, with red hair and beer swollen features. Right, and then uh, the other guys described as um gray haired which makes me think no he 's always oh, clean
4: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> he's slick, yeah, there's slick fox that's right, <laughs> um, and then the, the red haired man studied his opponent, he noticed the wide plutonium ring on the slender man's hand it's it's actually like a uh, knuckle dusters right mm-hmm. this is a uh, uh, iron or uh, brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. A jaw-breaking band of heavy metal, plutonium, no less. It's it's depleted. You know, uranium is what they use to uh, uh, really kill people because it's it's heavier than lead, right? Right. And then uh, the red-haired man muttered, "A sissy-kissing purist, (laughs) like you're gonna turn us all into women, right?" And it's like, yeah. Well, there is a thing. there, There is these aspects, right? So if you go to the gym. And you go to the hair salon, and you put on makeup, which some men are doing now apparently. Um, and you do all of this, and it's like uh, this is kind of sissy, but in the sense, like, why? Why is it? Why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And it's it's the advertising, right? Uh-huh. It, 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 Axe body spray is apparently a thing that kids know about, it, and it, I can tell because they smell like it. Good lord. Yep, it's, it's, I know, it's horrific, right? It's the fashion. It's, I mean,
2: high heels were invented for men in the 18th century French courts. <laughs> so there you are. <laughs>
0: yeah. Awesome. You have to show that leg. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, I mean, uh, for me, I, 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 we're, you're lucky we're on the internet. I don't like deodorant. I, I don't like putting it on. I don't like how it smells. I don't like it on other people. But I also don't like to offend people with my body odor, so I tend to have at least two showers a day right And if I'm I spend a couple hours at home and then I'm going out, I'll change my shirt before I go out because I don't want my whatever body odor I've got if I, I don't think it's very strong but I would just, if I, if
3: I'd like to say on behalf of society, thank you, Jesse.
0: Yeah, but like I go to, you know, every once in a while I'm stuck in an elevator with somebody and they've, they've got, like I can tell what brand they have on. Right. It's like um, there's one called Code Red or something. And it it starts putting out, as soon as your body heats up, it starts putting out massive scent clouds billowing from under armpits. It's just so horrible. Like it, it overwhelms my natural ability to smell things like bread and coffee and and it gives me a headache so I, i'm totally not on the purist camp not at all but i'm not a naturalist either because i i think halitosis is a bad problem and i'm not proud of it if, not that i have it i hope but I'll, I'll stop you from going into that abyss but i, I think this, <laughs> would a, this, this would be a fun story to teach kids. Love to kids i to i think it right was, was.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Sadly, it is not public domain, but um, that doesn't stop us from reading it. No, That's it did right. uh,
2: And thank you for, for pointing it out to
0: us. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, do you guys see uh, the illustration? I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. No. The
3: one with the the guy like hanging out of the ship.
0: Uh, this is on page eighty-seven, and it looks like there's uh, our hero, and. I didn't realize at first... I thought there's something wrapped around his hands like bandages, but it's actually two giant arms. I think it's supposed to be symbolic.
3: Mm, no, I didn't see that one. I didn't see it either.
0: Oh, well, I failed to send it to you. Um, in any case, our hero is sort of grabbed by two giant arms, and behind him is some sort of, I don't know, robot. But it doesn't look like a robot in the story, so I'm not sure what to make of it. Hmm. But...
2: I think it's okay. I see the image now. Yeah, this is nothing that happens in the story. I mean, is that robot supposed to be our butler? It it looks all wrong. It's not
0: Charlie because he. It's not even humanoid.
2: But yeah, it might be like a symbolic representation of him being caught between two uh, two powers because you do have those two arms coming out of the darkness. Yeah. One grabbing each of his arms and he's being pulled apart. So that to suggests tourists versus naturalists. And he's in the center, and only his robot butler is there with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's something to this story that I think. I mean, it, it's it's sort of low stakes in its ideas, but there's something very of of our reality about it.
4: Yeah,
3: for sure. Yes, I agree. Especially right now, like it just felt.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's just mimics so much of what you're seeing in the media and the the kinds of conversations people are having that are supposed to be intelligent political conversations, but just deteriorate.
2: Trump supporter? <laughs> Yeah. You libtard. <laughs> yeah. You're a cock.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God. The, from this story, the one of the insults is, you're thala- th- <laughs> th- thalamically oriented. You're thalamically oriented. Ooh, big insult.
4: Yeah. I'll break
0: your head. Jesus.
3: Yeah, it was, yeah. what was it, the animals versus the lilies. It was kind of right? the
4: <laughs> lily. It is.
0: Yeah, there's Yeah, there's something very relevant about our times. And uh, it is kind of, in a sense, it's a satire, because I don't think there's been any murders in a household over somebody voting for Trump, but that's the rhetoric. No. Right?
3: Oh, yeah, but those two newspaper titles that we get right at the start, like, that was mm-hmm. so funny to me because that's what I keep on seeing in the media as well. Is like, oh, you call this a peaceful process? Look at a peaceful right. protest. Look at what you did to this. You know, you damaged this thing, and then the other side is like, but you damage that thing, and it's just this kind of ridiculous picking out the oh, yeah, yeah. And the two what are the two titles on this? One is like windows smashed, great damage done, and then the other side is buildings burned, great damage done. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Just
0: two crazy sides. In addition, in the original story, I I don't think they knew knew how to market it. Um, The two descriptions are, Charlie wanted to help Walsh out of his trouble. But can a robot think for a man? Uh, Ah, that's weird. (laughs) Uh That's not right. (laughs) And then here's the second one. Walsh wasn't rebelling against society. He simply felt that a man should be allowed to think for himself without the aid of a robot. Huh. Think well, there is that. No, that. I, I guess, I guess, but the robot's pre-programmed, right? I mean, it has all this sort of personality. It remembers the conversations from before. But uh, it, if you see the robot as MSNBC or uh, CNBC or whatever, or whatever channels it is, I guess that makes sense.
2: So yeah. he's rejecting the robot's advice because it is a robot.
0: Yeah, see, I don't think he is. I think he's rejecting it because it's, it's. He just it doesn't a,
3: care about either of the arguments, right? Like the. That's
0: right, and it's it gives him. You have no choice. You either have to join this or you have to join that, um, and that is. I mean, that's in a, in essence, what society is always pushing you towards is you have to play within the rules of the society.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: that's. That's the big thing that people didn't like about Trump and still don't like about Trump. Obviously, there's lots of reasons to hate him for that. <laughs> but he he doesn't play the games like other people play because he, he's not saying it the way they want him to say it. Right? You're allowed to do all that stuff. You just can't say it that way.
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: all the stuff that's happening that he's doing, well, you're not allowed to do that either. But we've been doing that for a while now. So it's just... He's, his political incorrectness is what a lot of people find offensive.
4: hmm
0: And that's what makes other people love him for it. And it, that is the dynamic that's going on in this story, right? Is that – or, or not, not this story, in our reality. is people, they don't like it when people speak their mind um, and they're stupid. <laughs> I don't like it when people burp in my face. hmm Right? I don't <laughs> want your bad breath. Hand, yeah, but on the other hand, I think people should be allowed to burp.
3: Yeah, I mean, ideal. That's that's another reason I relate to this story. Like on the purest side, um, I, I can't stand the sound of people chewing, and I do oh want I want to yeah. I want to kill them, but <laughs> I'm just like it's their right to chew. <laughs> like you know, just have to like <laughs> you don't. It's <laughs> <That's
2: laughs> good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Rules <laughs> for dealing with Marissa, part yeah. three. Don't chew in her having, presence.
3: Yeah, I might be having violent thoughts about you at any time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they're my thoughts. I'm, I'm like, I don't have to kill this person just because they. No. <laughs> I won't actually I, kill
1: you.
2: I'm really glad we read it. Yeah, me and, too. Uh,
1: it's very fun here.
2: book. Yeah, you you're quiet, Misa Any last thoughts from you?
1: um n- no no last thoughts from me i really enjoyed it it reminded me a lot of uh, of uh, douglas adams and um and, and kurt vonnegut actually which yeah. i know you're not that big on jesse but it really it really had that kind
4: of i wrinkle.
0: see it uh, i see it very kurt vonnegutty i think the, the difference though is where vonnegut at the ending he would have done something snarky dick does has the character Pull a Socrates, right?
3: Yeah, and he went full that, horror. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Won, he always goes for the full horror and I think Vonnegut starts with the horror and then goes tricky.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. This wouldn't have been a Vonnegut ending at all.
0: No. Oh no, the, uh, the
2: whole
1: premise though.
0: Yeah. It's very Douglas Adamsy too, right? You're right.
3: Yeah. It was so funny. But, like that was the weird thing. When you get to the horror, I kinda had to read it twice, like do a double take, so it's like such Wait, a funny what? story. Yeah, I'm like what this. And I
0: didn't thing? even know what was going on at first when I first started reading it. I was like, "So there's two factions. What do they care about? I don't get it." And the other guy saying, yeah, "I I like the way I smell." It's like that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I so to go ridiculous, back.
1: though! Like how easy it is to completely brainwash people to the point mm-hmm. where they're willing to kill you for stinking. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
5: it's a Philip K. Dick theme
0: there, right there.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I love. I love. That as the guy's flying off in the, commu- the commute disc, um, this, this is how I love this ending. This is so Philip K. Dick. Um, says, uh, thanks, he says to the, gray, uh, to the uh, gray-haired man, pressed the release on the disc and rose above the Walsh. And on its way, Walsh waved gratefully. Thanks, he called up. I appreciate that for you know fighting the red-haired guy who was pressing him and trying to sign the petition. Says, not at all, the gray haired man answered cheerfully, examining his broken tooth. <laughs> <laughs> a, a voice dwindled as the disc gained altitude. Always glad to help out a fellow. The final word came drifting to Walsh's ears. A fellow purist. <laughs> I
4: <can't! laughs>
0: Walsh shouted futilely, I'm not a purist, <laughs> and I'm not a naturalist. Do you hear me? Yeah. And then this is the classic dick move.
1: Yeah. Now that you're uh, doing it, saying it that way, it also reminds me of uh, Franz Kafka.
0: It is absolutely very Kafka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that final line here, he says, "I'm not a naturalist." You hear me? Nobody heard him.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: that oh. is total dick move right there, right? Yeah. Because um, that how ha- that's happened in a, a dozen short stories. I swear. The one that comes to mind immediately is uh, Beyond uh, Beyond the Door, which ends with a uh, the the boyfriend uh, and the wife looking over the dead body of the husband after the cuckoo clock has killed the husband. <laughs> and the, they asked the doctor, do you think it was suicide? And he says, I've never heard of anybody committing suicide by falling from a chair before. And, <laughs> and then the, the boyfriend says, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. And, um, and then the last line is, but nobody heard him. <laughs> it's, like, oh. <laughs> it's, oh. like, it's the reader who hears it, right? That's the only. And then uh, the very next scene with the page break, he's still on about this. He's talking to his wife. I'm not, repeated Walsh monotonously as he sat at the dinner table. Another dick move here. Table sp- spooning up creamed corn, potatoes and rib steak. <laughs> That's a Philip K. Dick meal. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of food
1: in this in this story.
0: I'm not a purist, and I'm not a naturalist. Why do I have to be one? Or the
1: Did other? the mother ever come down on either side?
0: I think she's a really interesting character to look at. In the story. I, I, I
2: think she's a purist just from the way she reacts to her brother-in-law and to her son. She we never she never says one way or the other, but no. she feels like a purist to me. She feels like a purist to me too. But it's not
1: like it didn't seem like she went and had her teeth whitened in her.
0: She's going along with it I think is mm-hmm. rather than she's a party member. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But she couldn't have voted then.
0: I see that's a question like that line about you can't vote right mm-hmm.
2: um, unless you're a party but, member of one of the apparently other Apparently
0: the the teenager can.
2: Well he's a
1: he's a card carrying a card
0: carrying uh, a little Nazi.
1: boot stamping
4: member.
0: Well I think I think the other argument was like think about mm-hmm. uh, in the ele- United States they have two parties right? um there's one or the other you, you can't vote for if you vote for anybody else it's not really a vote that i think is is kind of the argument as well and they're and this is like um I, i'm the left-handed party no it's the right-handed party but they're both doing the same stuff it's the sneetches the yeah.
1: star-bellied sneetches and the plain-bellied oh, right
0: right well, yes or uh, that Star Trek, those Star Trek guys with the white oh, side. Right, the white side, side
4: the-
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're Endlessly fighting for all eternity. <laughs> back to the drowsy.
5: Babylon 5 again.
0: Yep, oh, back to go. the drowsy. <laughs> well,
5: well, thank you, guys. Yeah, I have to go because I have to go do some food chewing. I'm, I'm sorry, Marissa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just don't do it too loud, please. <laughs>
5: do you do you, uh, do you like those uh, YouTube videos of uh, those sounds? What was it called the uh, SMR DMR?
3: Oh, oh. Uh, that's like my worst nightmare. <laughs>
5: uh
0: okay. that's Weird. People are weird, man. <laughs> yeah.